Welcome to Truth Jihad Audiovisual. I'm Kevin Barrett doing both the audio and the visual these days after a, a long alternative career in alternative media starting in 2006 with Republic Broadcasting and continuing all over the place since then, talking to the most interesting folks I can find who are saying things that challenge the uh, mainstream idiocracy. And one of the most eloquent people doing that is Helen Bynisky, a.k.a. Helen of Destroy, who has this fantastic new article out in which I think it's her most outspoken piece, piece yet on this ultimate third rail subject. It's called Never Forget to Never Forget or Else, Legislating the Special Relationship. And it's uh, it's great. You got to read it. So thank you, Helen. <laughs> thank you, Fred. All right. Yeah, good to have you back. And uh, we miss you at False Flag Weekly News. There are a lot of people who actually think that you're the best all-time False Flag Weekly News co-host, which is actually really saying something. Well, that's very flattering. Yeah, so someday we're going to have to drag you back onto that show uh, one way or another. But uh, meanwhile, let's get into it with this article. You know, I just had E. Michael Jones on my radio show last night. And as you can imagine, uh, he's on the same page with you on a lot of these items. But you actually, in some ways, go even further than him, maybe in like lacking faith in people like Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> he, believe, he believes that Elon Musk is a good guy? Well... He Elon Musk is doing the right thing? He believes Elon Musk, the guy who is is, is selling Twitter uh, people's biometrics out to Israeli uh, data companies, is is the, the, the good guy here? I mean, that, that's... <laughs> that, that seems like a big oversight. I I I don't I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think I think Mike and you know, I mean, I'm sort of halfway between you guys on this. I think he hopes that the clash of the titans um where you know the ADL is actually seeming to have an actual fight with somebody who has as much money as they do, you know, moves the Pro whole wrestling. AD... Pro wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I could see that. I don't know though. I mean, we were comparing actually I, I brought up the possibility of comparing Elon Musk to Henry Ford because they both you know were good at building oh, give vehicles. Give me a fucking break dude. I mean I'm sorry can I swear? Um, yeah, uh, no I, no no. <laughs> <laughs> excuse to erase us permanently. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah no 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 no. Elon Musk every invention he's ever had he's stole, stolen or borrowed from somebody else or or uh, and uh, Henry, Henry Ford actually invented stuff and, and stuff that people needed. Elon Musk is inventing, oh, Neuralink, uh, a brain implant that is so all of your thoughts can be fed directly to the ADL instead of your neighbors having to report you. So uh, there, there's no similarity. And, and it's SpaceX, which is one of the things that brings him the most acclaim, is uh, borrowed technology. Um, his Tesla was not his own invention. Uh, this is all This is all not even close. So they don't make uh, Henry Ford's like they used to. And and also yeah. Elon Musk is not a harsh critic of the tribe the way Henry Ford was. No, no, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a surface. He, the only reason he's even going after the ADL is because they, they supposedly have interfered with his ability to make money on Twitter and or X Corp, which I'm sorry. Yeah. What was that oh, about? I, I don't, every, I still every, everybody's that. going along with this posting on X or someone so, so, so posted on X. It's like, dude, say tweeted, tweeted, quote. Whatever. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's yeah, I, I, I still haven't even heard the ostensible rationale for that. Is there one? It's it's because he wanted he wanted PayPal to be X Corp way back in the day, and because when you're a billionaire, you get to have your pet clauses, and so he 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 registered X Corp back in 1999. He's been paying for it ever since. But, but, <laughs> it costs more than a Tesla to hold that domain now. I don't I don't I don't know how much it actually costs to, to register that domain, but but he's. He's been sitting on it for a long time. He wanted to use it. But why? Want to make it? Want to make everyone else use it too? 
But why the uh, pen penultimate letter in the alphabet? I mean, what what what's so great about the letter X? It, it is it like it means pornographic movies, or I mean, what, um, maybe, I maybe it has something to do with DNA. He's a big fan of mRNA uh, vaccinations, so he might have uh, something to do with. Uh, it, it might be subtly trying to promote this idea of like chromosomal augmentation or uh, mm. transhumanism or something like that. Uh, just a hypothesis. I guess that seems like kind of a stretch. Maybe he's a fan of that um, 1980s LA punk band. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't figure it out. Should, you should you should ask Xenia Sebeka if, if she's a, she knows anything about this. There you go. Yeah, maybe it's actually some kind of conspiracy that she's involved in. But it makes no sense for me. And everybody just goes along with it. It's like you know, Twitter X, which used to be Twitter X X X. It just you know he. He yeah, changes it. Everybody goes along with it. Nobody even asks why. Well, actually, that might be that might that might be it. It might be the behavioral conditioning aspect. Like, it, it, can we get people to stop saying this the name of this company that they've used for the last uh, fifteen years, however long it's been around, and the Bluebird and everything like that? Like, people have dropped that like a hot potato, and uh, that's that's pretty odd. Everybody referred to it as Twitter. I I continue to refer to it as Twitter, but I'm I'm uh, in a small minority here. This randomly changing language thing, uh, especially when people with lots of money and power tell you to, never made sense to me. Like, you know, Candlestick Park in San Francisco turns into whatever it was, you know, MetLife Insurance Company Billionaire Profiteers Stadium, and everybody just starts calling it that. Well, what wow. about multiracial white supremacy? I mean, that's from, <laughs> yeah. from, from getting back to my article here. Multiracial white yeah. supremacy, what is that? Like, that, that was that was a, like a joke article almost that, that somebody wrote in 2021, some professor that nobody had ever heard of. They tried to prop her up. Say, saying that oh the reason that Trump got any votes at all from the not from people who are not white is because of multiracial white supremacy and, and everybody laughed and then the, this they they did this thing with the patsy in Allen Texas and the the guy who was didn't look anything like the guy who ended up getting shot by the cop and they said oh this is because of multiracial white supremacy and and every every like major news organization had the same uh article about multiracial white supremacy coming out of nowhere so it's like yeah and the ihra definition of anti-semitism which everybody knows about by now i think but uh mm-hmm. it's it, they they really are are trying to reorient our sense of like what these words mean because obviously we're, we're we think in words we're humans mm-hmm. that's how we express ourselves and so if you control the words that people use you control what they think well you know anti-semitism is another example the adl decided maybe a year or two ago to remove the hyphen from anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic, oh, it used we'll to be, yeah, it used to be anti-Semitic, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's anti-Semitic to even question that. I guess it used to be anti and then capital S Semitic, and the ADL okay. decided to change that and make it all just one big lowercase word with no hyphen. And the, they kind of sort of explained it in a way that nobody would really understand unless you really stopped to think about it. But once you you actually listen to what they say and why they said it it turns out that the reason they did it was because the word makes absolutely no sense because they know that they know that whatever you know negative feelings people have towards jews or israel or whatever has nothing to do with semitic as a sort of ethnic racial or linguistic category it ha- you know maybe people don't like jews for various reasons you know some of them really bad others maybe not so bad but it has nothing to do with the whole category of Semite. And so they the problem was the when there was a hyphen and Semite was capitalized, people noticed the word Semite. 
they noticed that it was yeah, part and they, of and they that. looked it up and they, and they realized they that it didn't yeah. have anything to do. Yeah, I, well, I think I remember Arabs. reading about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and their, their rationalization was basically that, oh, because we've been using this word to mean uh, Jewish hatred for so long, uh, we're going to keep using it and there's nothing we can do about it. So we're just going to remove this hyphen and hope nobody notices, right? That, exactly. that was that was yeah. the rationale. Yeah, so now, now you won't even know what, 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 what's in the word and where it comes from and why it's nonsensical to use. You'll just use it like we tell you to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's the kind of arrogance that, uh, you deal with it quite some length in this new article. And I think this is actually the, the furthest you've gone in uh, in calling out these, uh, the people, you know, fighting big against it. Let's, let's just call it, big, let's call it big parasite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, obviously, we're not talking about every single person of Jewish ethnicity no. or religion. I, I talked about this with Meryl Nass on the show last night. She, she reminded me that she's uh, of Jewish ethnicity. And so are, of course, lots of free thinking, uh, critical minded people like her. And uh, I acknowledge that she's absolutely right. However, there's a tribal, uh, there, yeah, there, there's a tribal culture there that can manifest itself in these, you know, bizarre and horrible ways. And we should be allowed to talk about it and think about it. And Meryl actually yeah. basically agreed with that. Too. And, and and the more and the more knee-jerk defensiveness that that they engage in, and the more like this bizarre, like this enforcing this 100 points of. Uh, I've never seen such a coordination of federal agencies in the service of two percent of the population before. It's insane, and, and then and they and it's like they're trying to generate anti-Semitism. They need it as a, as their raison d'être to like they, they feel like they're not being persecuted. They're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's the thing though is that the, there's a small number of people from this ethnically Jewish category, very very small number, who are doing really well from this. That you know the more anti-Semitism. The you know, anti-Jewish. It's, it's called the anti-Semitism industrial complex. For exactly, a <laughs> exactly. And and so what you have is this tiny minority of people from that ethnic background who are essentially terrorizing the others. You know, like there's that Ravillo Oliver quote about the ADL was created to ride herd on their goyim cowboys, uh, uh, or like going on their goyim cattle. There are cowboys riding herd on their goyim cattle. However, it. You could argue that actually they're riding herd on their Jewish cattle, and that's yeah. what that's what Lauren Guyano says in that book from Yahweh to Zion and elsewhere. I, that's the one I translated, and it's really very much worth a read. And he argues that there's this sort of Jewish elite that has learned how to weaponize uh, anti-Jew hatred and then terrorize Jewish populations into being afraid of it. That is actually making a lot of money and. Making, taking power, and and you know, really making out like bandits. Um, by yeah, and, and it's up. been around for hundreds of years. I mean, in Russia, it used to be called the Kahal. It was this. They 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 basically kept the the Jewish population of Russia in in darkness and in in ignorance, and 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 told them that hey, everybody's trying to kill you, so you have to do what we say. And now it's 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 an international thing, and it's run out of Israel, and it's run in in America. It's run by the ADL and groups like this. And yeah, they're. they're and the ADL has just like opened this huge super center in Brooklyn with, with that is this like multilateral like coordination of Jewish organizations. It's like in Brooklyn, which has like the highest population of Jews in America, I believe. Uh, I know that New York does, and I believe that most of them are in Brooklyn. If there are parts of Brooklyn, if you drive through, you'll be driving through for 10 minutes and all the signs are in Hebrew. You look, looks like you're in Israel and everybody's walking around with Hasidic garb on. And so it's like, I don't think that these people are necessarily terribly persecuted in their in their hometowns. I mean, and and these and these places that they have upstate that that are entirely occupied by uh, Hasidic families. It's it's. I mean, like like I said about Doug Emhoff, the second gentleman. Uh, we should all be so lucky to be so persecuted as this guy. Right. 
And, and I've, I've spoken to a number of Jewish people who said, you know, I don't think I've really ever experienced this thing you call anti-Semitism. And, you know, the people that made the film Defamation, of course, kind of were coming from that. Love place that movie. Where, Love well, that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that if, if it's actually a small, uh, powerful elite from within the Jewish community that's actually doing this, that they're the ones who are actually persecuting ordinary Jewish people and creating these uh, problems and hatreds and clashes and so on for fun and profit, you know, if you think about it, a sort of a, and, you know, some of the, there could be a relationship of circumcision to this. In other words, I, I've, you know, I, I used to know these Jewish guys in New York who put out a psychoanalytic magazine. See, Lloyd uh, Mouse, I think was the editor's name, forgetting the name of his, his psychoanalytic scholarly publication. He actually invited me to contribute to, but in one of those issues, he published this uh, review of Raphael, I think, Lemkin's book on the Arab mind, which psychoanalyzes Arabs and basically says that, you know, those those Arab men uh, are, you know, too arrogant to their women and stuff and too patriarchal and so on. They're too old fashioned because they are coddled by their mothers when they're little, because in this Arab and Muslim culture, these you know little boys are taken, you know, or actually little children, women, girls, too, I think, are taken really well care of, either take good care of. And then I think when the boy reaches, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, then, you know, there's a circumcision ceremony and they exit the women's world. They go into the men's world. You know, it's a hard men's world. It's a harsh world where you're going to have to do things like sacrifice the sheep on Eid and things like that. And so there's this whole cultural complex that this Lemkin Jewish guy said um, kind of spoils these these Arab men. They're too well taken care of when they're little. And uh, so, you know, I, I read that and I, I asked these guys, you know, what do you think about the other you know, if we apply this line of thinking to Jewish culture and we have like these little Jewish boys when they're infants, they're born and then suddenly they're ripped out of their mother's arms and they're sexually mutilated. They're mut ritually mutilated at the most sensitive part of their anatomy and they feel unspeakable uh, terror and agony. And there's this really dark stranger figure that does this to them, that rips them away from their mothers and does it to them. And this creates a memory. And their memory is not going to be very detailed or very specific or very accurate. It's going to have this memory of this evil stranger coming and doing this horrible thing to you and disturbing your bond with your mother, which the Bowlby you know, the Attachment School of Psychology says is the whole basis of human personality and flourishing. And so yeah, the, and it, so kid grows up and he has this memory. And no, he does. He doesn't have the memory though, because it, when it happens to him when he's just a, a baby, so it's 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 in this like pre unconscious, yeah, state. deep unconscious yes. memory. Yeah, so, and, and then so like, that becomes the colors evil everything boy. that comes afterwards. It right. colors everything that comes afterwards. Well, he gets sure. then he gets told as he grows up that there are these evil goys who want to kill you, like in the film Defamation, right? All these yeah. non-Jews all want to exterminate you. They all want to do terrible things to you. There's this other figure, this, this you know, dark, scary other figure that wants to do bad things to you. Well, that links up with the memory of the dark, scary other figure that did the terrible thing to you when you were two yep. days old. And so it turns out it's actually the rabbi who's the goy. The rabbi yep. is the Hitler. <laughs> You know? Yep, I could I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that because yeah, it, it's a pre-conscious uh, experience. And waiting until they're seven years old, then they have some understanding and they can kind kind of contextualize it with their reality. But if it happens to you when you're a baby, I mean, yeah, you're going to be completely uh, thrown out of whack because of all of this warm, welcoming world. And oops, oh shit. <laughs> right, and then of course it creates the Jewish mother syndrome too, because you know the this breaks the the bond, right? The the infant no longer trusts the mother to take care of him because the mother has you know, allowed this scary evil figure to come do something terrible 
And that disturbs the bond and, and it disturbs it at the mother's level too, in her, in her psyche. And so then she overcompensates. And uh, from then on, it's, uh, you know, my son, the doctor and all this sort of thing. And, and, now, and now this this whole complex has been foisted onto non-Jews as well. I mean, uh, at least in America and, and I think in parts of mm-hmm. Europe as well. It, this, this this is mm-hmm. so it's they, they've they've outsourced the the, the, the internalized uh, self-oppression is. Right. So, so that, I mean, that probably is one big part of, uh, of of this huge cultural problem that we're going through. And likewise, I think the censorship issue and the destruction of the First Amendment and free speech in the U.S. and the West in general seems to be related to some extent or other with this uh, question of censorship by uh, Jewish Zionist forces through organizations like the ADL. And that leads to the question, well, how much of it? To, to what extent is this destruction of the free internet and this crackdown on First Amendment freedom that we're experiencing and have been for almost 10 years now, to what extent is that really being driven by forces related to the ADL? And to what extent is it other things? Well, I mean, it's forces related to the ADL, meaning that this this general, like, uh, big parasite, as, as I have come up with the shorthand for it, it is they're the, they're the ones driving the whole thing because it's... When, when you look at an organization like Wikipedia, which is trying to insinuate its way into the fabric of the internet right now and the fabric of global education, has successfully insinuated itself into the fabric of global education, I might add, through UNESCO, because uh, Jimmy Wales' wife, Tony Blair's former secretary, uh, is hooked in with all the people behind the global goals, and her consulting firm came up with the global goals, the, those 14 uh, things that go along with Agenda 2030. And so like Wikipedia, which is run by Israeli intelligence, basically, and the, the, this has been proven, it's it's been proven in Germany in court, in, it was recently proven in Germany in court, and it's been, I've, I've researched it extensively and published lots of articles about it, and there are many, many articles about it, about the, how the English version is run out of Israel. And so th- this is like, they're, they, they want to be a global ministry of truth. The ADL, um, I mean, Google has has said uh, Eric Schmidt wants wants there to be a one search result for Google, and the, the fact that there's more than one search result is a bug and not a feature. So that one search result is going to be Wikipedia, and the ADL will make sure that nobody gets on Wikipedia that is not meant to get on Wikipedia. They don't need to, ADL doesn't actually need to do that. Wikipedia already has processes in place for that. Try to try to edit your own article on Wikipedia sometime and see what happens. Well, I did. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, that's I, right. You you got did you get years removed or something like? Well, um, no, I. I oh happened? no, yours is still yours is still on there. I'm thinking of somebody else. Well, no, no, they no, they took they did eventually take me down, but they spent years and years and years. Yeah, they don't they me. don't do that. They don't do that easily. And, yeah. and ironically, like the only thing protecting us from total domination by Wikipedia and the, and its Israeli operators is China, which is like, I mean, people people like to shit on China, but uh, they they've blocked uh, Wikipedia three times now from getting into the, the 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 control room of the internet, basically. Wow. Okay. So how about the backlash against this? Right. The ban the ADL hashtag, this pro wrestling thing with Elon Musk, you're calling it. And here, let me see if I can pull up my screen share, and we can take a quick look at uh, at this Glam Defense League thing. Uh, so here's oh the, the Helena Destroy Substack. <laughs> Glam Defense League is such an embarrassment. I mean, it's like they, they find these people, like these greasy, poorly put together like individuals, and they try they hold hold them up as exemplars of like this is this is like the white race, and it's like this. I mean, supposedly this John Minadeo guy is part Jewish, actually, but I don't know if that's true. Um, it's just, must be a self-hating Jew, I suppose. Aren't they all? <laughs> right. So, That's so, a joke, so, people. So, so, so this Goyim Defense League, I saw some of the pranks they did back uh, years ago were pretty funny. They got uh, the former NFL quarterback, Brett Favre, to 
endorse what was it uh these these like supposedly anti-semitic slogans without quite understanding yeah, what he was I doing mean, that was the, hilarious the way, the, the way they do these things is it, it's always like the sophomoric like juvenile stuff yeah. and it's like not serious and i mean like look at the flyer it's got like blood drenched stars of david on it. it's like did, did you really need to put that there and mm-hmm. i mean it, yes the, yes the, yeah. the abl was indeed established to protect a jewish child murdering pedophile named leo frank and that that's important but like the the clip art really kind of cheapens it, and it's like the, and the way the way that they distribute the flyers, they always go to these like wealthy Jewish neighborhoods and mm-hmm. and dump them. It's like you don't think these guys know. Um, you might want to do this to people who, who you need to wake up, and the the wealthy Jewish neighborhoods are not the people you need to wake up. So it, it's like they, they they're deliberately shooting themselves in the foot, and 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 the, and the way that they work with this like national socialist whatever group that. Uh, that the ADL itself has admitted can fit in a studio apartment. And this is the, the number one threat to Jews worldwide. Yes, 12 dudes who can fit in a studio apartment. And they're, they're so scary. But uh, we can keep them under control because we're not even arresting them for violating Florida's new hate speech laws. So it's totally cool. Just don't drop flyers, anybody. Well, well, these flyers are apparently getting a big reaction. They're, you know, they've been dropped on the uh, fancy lawns in wealthy Jewish neighborhoods in a number of cities. Uh, it was Seattle and some around the South. And I forget where else. And it's uh, now there, there's legal action against this. They, didn't they just pass mm-hmm. or propose a law to like lock people up for five years if you drop yeah, an offensive flyer on somebody's lawn? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. The Florida, yeah. the Florida law. I mean, people yeah. people like champion Ron DeSantis, who was who was actually sued by his constituents for holding his one of his inaugural cabinet meetings in Israel, and he he actually passed this hate speech law that make, that gives you five years in prison for dropping quote unquote hate speech flyers, including anything that that uh, goes against the IHRA redefinition of anti-Semitism, which doesn't even mean negative speech against Jews. It just means a perception of Jews. So it literally means anything they say it means. And uh, a certain five perception. years, yeah. five years. Yeah, a certain perception, five years. And uh, yeah, Ron DeSantis is not what you want in in a politician. This guy is completely compromised. I don't know what they have video of him doing, but I have a feeling it's not the kosher. So, so why is it that these seemingly anti-establishment types like Rand DeSantis, who was anti-COVID establishment, uh, RFK Jr., who's even more anti-COVID establishment, and, you know, he's up against the CIA that killed his father and his uncle. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Trump, the, the guy who beat the media in 2016 and drove the whole political system crazy. So these supposed anti-establishment types, and of the three, I like RFK Jr. the best, but all three of them are ultra Zionists. I mean, they're not just like, you know, mouthing Israel has a right to exist and this sort of, you know, obligatory stuff. They're like, you know, they're to the right of Netanyahu practically. So what's with yeah, that? Right? I yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's there, there's limited hangouts for sure, which is a, this DeSantis is definitely limited hangout. Trump, I think, got some very bad advice and has been compromised since his, he was bailed out by the Rothschilds when his casinos went bankrupt. RFK, I don't know what is going on there because I've talked to him and he was not like this when I talked to him. We talked about Israel's role and, and, and I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to shoot him in the foot in, in to, uh, metaphorically. But he's not I, as I, I du- he's not that. as dumb as he looks, is what you're saying? He's not. No, he's he's not stupid. He knows what's going on and like he's. Hmm. I don't know what this Israel thing came from, and I, I hope that he drops it like a hot potato. Because for one thing, he was. Did you hear what happened yesterday about? Yeah, uh, yeah, somebody, yeah. Right. Yeah, somebody Some was just arrested at his rally with with a bunch of guns, pretending to be a federal agent. So 
And I his, mean, his, his dad he, was killed. His dad was killed by an insider bodyguard. Yes, so, that's yeah. what I, I. That's what I was. That's what I was talking about. And, and he, if he thinks he's going to avoid uh, assassination attempts by sucking Israel's dick, he needs sorely mistaken because uh, they don't want anyone who's, who talks about peace. They don't want anyone who, who threatens their uh, mRNA DNA, DNA reprogramming uh, regime. They don't want anybody who talks about any of the stuff he talks about. So you can't get around that by just like slurping down some Israeli semen. It's not going to work. Hmm. I, I imagine you probably didn't put it quite that. You didn't put it quite that uh, <laughs> no. strongly to him when you were talking with him. I assume. Oh no, no. I, I like we didn't. I didn't have to, to to say this to him when I when I met him because he was not like that. But uh. yeah, yeah. Well, that would actually sort of reinforce my suspicion that it's you know one interpretation it's hard it's hard to figure it out because it's just so bizarre but you know one interpretation would be that he actually knows the score he knew he knows that his father and uncle were actually killed not so much by the cia but by the israeli yeah yeah, the mossad and their organized crime friends that penetrated the cia and then set up the cia yeah and and, and i mean especially with his father like they set up a a palestinian dude to take the fall it's like that's kind of obvious isn't it yeah duh Yeah. yeah And having Jack Rubenstein take out Lee Harvey Oswald like that was, you know, Rubenstein is the hitman bagman for Mickey Cohen, yeah. the man who raised more money for Israel than anybody else in history. I mean, this it's kind of not very subtle, but but then never, nobody never hears about been. it somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's that's the thing, because it's a loony conspiracy theory and nobody wants to be seen as a conspiracy theory. And it's an anti-Semitic of, one, too. That's even worse. That, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. That can't can't uh, can't be labeled anti-Semitic. Now, can we now? Even though it's like now everybody is anti-Semitic. If, if you've ever said anything that classifies like what, what was the, what was the, the one of the one of my article was like, uh, oh, Jews like to stick together more than other groups. That's supposedly an anti-Semitic cliche now that, that the ADL counts as in part of its 2022 uh, being the biggest year for anti-Semitism on record because people believe that Jews like to stick together. What? That's interesting, you know, because I my ethnicities, I guess, are, you know, I'm American, uh, primarily from British Isles, right? So I've got some Welsh, some Cornish, some Irish, a little bit of English, uh, some, one quarter Scottish, and then the other quarter besides, you know, so three quarters British Isles, one quarter German. And none of that, that I like to emphasize the Irish part. And so here I am, I could call myself an Irish American, I call myself a German American, I call myself a British Isles American, I could be you know, Celtic or whatever. None of those identities, like, as I can, as far as I can tell, are really going to help me get ahead in the world because I can stick together. All of us are state, we Celtic people stick together, we Irish people stick together, we British Isles people stick together, we German Americans stick together uh, and, and dominate the media and dominate finance and do this and do that. And, no, I mean, we don't stick together. None of us stick together in that way. Yeah, so. I mean, the, the, the groups in my background, similarly, if, if, if anything, they'll just go out of their way to screw each other, which is like, what? <laughs> right. that doesn't make well, any Well, supposedly sense. Jews sometimes do that, too. But but there is a level of ethnic nepotism there that does, you know, let's rise above what, what Irish Americans and German Americans are doing, let's face it. But I guess yeah. if we say that, uh, they've just officially convicted us of anti-Semitism yep. with no hyphen. Good, yeah, good, good luck getting good luck getting a bank account. Good luck opening a PayPal account or keeping oh, your PayPal man. account. Okay, so so as long as we're on this topic of like you know how much of the problem is actually coming from this particular segment <laughs> of the population, uh, what how about COVID? Like the whole COVID. See, I, I've actually had this argument with I have friends who like you know actually both both COVID and Ukraine. Both of those, you know. I haven't. Oh, Ukraine re- is entirely being run to, to create a big Israel. Remember Zelensky talking about a big Israel with a, with a Ukrainian face or whatever. Right, it but was? doesn't doesn't he just maybe mean that it's going to be a sort of a, a total security state 
where we all hate the Russians like the like the Israelis hate the Arabs. So you know, we he, have checkpoints. Then he could have everywhere. he could have said permanent martial law or something like that. It, it would it wouldn't have been. Uh... No, there's a reason that why they're clearing out that land. There's a reason why they're killing off all the men. There's a reason why Cargill and Monsanto are in there buying up everything. Um, it's Cargill and Monsanto are, are not owned by uh, the Goyim, let's say. Okay. So, okay. So there's Ukraine. And I'm, I still, yeah. And it's, you know, you can argue about this stuff. You could say that with 9-11. Now, it's, 9/11 it's Victoria Newland. I mean, Victoria Newland. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No- Noodleman or whatever her name is, but Noodleman, with, yeah. like like with nine eleven, I have no problem saying, well, I've, like that minute nine eleven happened, you know, me and pretty much everybody else in Arab Islamic studies that's paying attention, you know, says, oh well, we can see who's going to benefit from this. And my first thought was, okay, now they're going to claim that some you know Arab hijackers did this. Well, oh, I remember they originally tried to pin it, pin it on the Palestinians. They tried to pin it. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah, exactly. Because... The Palestinian property. So it was like so obvious, and so that one, yeah, I mean, like. How could how could anybody argue that really you know the biggest beneficiary wasn't the Zionists? However, with these other things, it, you know, and I guess they sold that they sold Project for a New American Century as though it was about you know the American Empire when it really wasn't. And so you could argue non plan, yeah, it, call, right. calling it calling it Project for a New American Century sounded a lot more American than Oded non plan. That's true. So so this, you could argue the same thing, I suppose, with Ukraine. You could say that this is really not in the interest of the American Empire to try to take on Russia at the same time that your real, you know, your real adversary that you should be negotiating with probably uh, is China. Uh, and, and likewise, it's not in America's interest to be messing with Iran either. Yeah, that one I'll buy. That's that's all all about the Zionists. Uh, Ukraine, yeah, maybe, you know, I mean, it's, they pose as being fanatical pro-U.S. empire people, uh, but I guess they did that with their project for a new American century, too. So, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right about that. Well, how about COVID, though? Like, what's, is, is COVID uh, ethnically related well, or not? The pharmaceutical industry has always been very ethnically uh, oriented in a certain direction. I mean, the, there's a reason why all those Jewish mothers want their sons to become doctors, and it's not just for the money. Um, but I mean, it, you, you get into people's trust if you're treating them medically, that people people go to you with their problems, they, they confess things to you. Uh, you can quite easily manipulate somebody if you're their doctor, and they got they got so many people to take shots that would end up causing their death. Um, but they're all ta- uh, they're all taking the shots. Too. Like, like like I said in my article, they got us to poison our own wells. Um, but 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 they're <laughs> drinking the same water. No, they're not. They're not. Have you ever heard of a water purifier? Um, <laughs> you can get that stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, I mean, seven stage reverse osmosis filters. People buy them. Right. I'm just talking about the COVID shots, though. I mean, I oh. I see no yeah. evidence that like Jewish doctors are getting any less in the way of vaccinations than anybody else. Um, I see a lot of saline shots. There's a, there's that how bad is my batch site that has documented the difference in lot numbers. Uh, yeah, the the vaccinations are very very different depending on who who you are and what who you're getting them from. Do you think that the world leaders actually there was already a world leaders, state. yeah, but right, but but like yeah, Jewish doctors, already... no, it's like. World leaders, uh, yeah. Of course. You, you, I mean, who runs Pfizer? Hmm. So, okay, so you're saying that my my uh, my intellectually challenged brother, who's a doctor, uh, has all these Jewish colleagues, 
And my brother is the only one dumb enough to actually keep taking these shots, which he has been doing, apparently. Well, uh, he's, but his uh, Jewish he's colleagues are all a little world. bit smarter than him, so they're not. I mean, but they all say they are. I, I, I they don't might they it. might be taking saline shots. They might not be taking anything. I mean, you've seen you've seen these things they stage for the camera where they just, just stick the needle in and they don't even put the plunger down. It's like, come on, man. How stupid do you think we are? <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not quite on board with that. Uh, I mean, because honestly, I, I think a lot of these folks are all, they all seem to be drinking their own Kool-Aid. And either it's like I, the I, most- I, dis- I disagree. I, I think that, I mean, the, the, this this whole like getting us to, to poison ourselves and things, uh, this is this is all part of a behavioral program. This is a psychological torture that they've been uh, crafting and working on in detail for hundreds of years, if not thousands. Um, I mean, and the, and they here, I'm not just talking about Jews, I'm talking about the, the power elite in general. And it, it, this is this is a program that has been underway for a very, very long time. And it's been alienating us from first our environment, then our uh, families, our, our our larger, our, our ethnic heritages, our, our, our nuclear families, and finally ourselves. And once you break the bond with the self, then they can insert this first that self that that thinks all sorts of really strange things like, gee, I need to be the first in my neighborhood to get vaccinated or I'm going to die of this mysterious virus that I've never seen. And I've never seen anybody who has actually had and And even if I actually get it, uh, I can cure myself of ivermectin in six hours. But uh, I need to inject myself now with this toxic substance that I don't know what's in it by a pharmaceutical company that's already been dragged before court and, and had to pay record billions of dollars in fines for breaking the law. And uh, this is a good idea because I'm a good person. No one actually like thinks that if they're being their authentic self. So the, the idea is to just sever that bond and uh, create this race of pod people. Yeah, no, I, I think that's happening. I would just argue that the vast majority of, let's say, Jewish doctors are part, they're part of the pod, they're pod people too. Pods. Uh, yeah, like, like for instance, okay. I, I disagree. I disagree. Like, okay, this notion like, okay, Here's here's something. I mean, that, yeah, I guess I guess I guess like we're, we're we're talking about different kinds of people. Like I guess yeah, rank and file. Your your, your average Jewish doctor in Brooklyn uh, who's who's just like treating local people. He probably yeah. has taken the shot. Yes, um, but people like Albert Borla. There's no way Albert Borla has taken the shot. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, but but he's he's like yeah. the point zero 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 one percent or whatever. But like yeah, you know, with Meryl Nass, you know, she's just a normal person, happened to be a doctor, happens to be from a Jewish background, uh, happens to have her eyes open a little bit. She did research on you know biowarfare back in the day, so she ends up being just like all these other doctors, Pierre Corey, and all these people who've you know kind of reacted against the COVID program. And the fact that she's Jewish isn't all that relevant. And I don't think that there's like some Jewish doctor like who's in part of her practice or, you know, go, goes to the same clinic or hospital or something is going to come nudging her and say, Meryl, Meryl, you know, uh, don't you realize that all of us do? No, it's, I, I don't believe that's, that's not like it's, the, it's, it's, it's you know, not, they don't, they it doesn't don't work to. that way. No, they it don't doesn't work to. that way. No. Well, yeah, but, 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 or I'll, I, I would guess that like if we were to be, if we had some way of knowing, about like all of my brother's colleagues at a particular Midwestern University, you know, medical division. And let's say maybe 20% of them are from Jewish backgrounds, I would guess. And I bet if we went through and just looked at the you know, 80% that are non-Jewish, 20% that are Jewish, my guess is that there wouldn't really be much difference at all in vaccine uptake, in vaccine awareness, in you know people being exposed to the ideas that we've been exposed to. I, I don't think there'd be any difference at all. So I think the only place where you get I the mean, difference is the, is the Borla's and people like that. Well, there, there was they did sort of a dry run for vaccine mandates in New York, um, like maybe two years before COVID. They were they were going around. There was two zip codes. I lived in one of them. Um, that, that they were targeting for measles vaccination that were largely Hasidic 
uh, locations because the Hasids were not vaccinating their children against measles and they were trying to claim that this was causing measles epidemic. It wasn't, but that was, and the measles vaccine doesn't actually protect against measles, but um, they, so these people are not vaccinating their children. Do you think they're vaccinating themselves? Well, the Hasidic ones, no. I mean, but that's again, the Hasidic Jews are kind of like the Amish. I mean, there's like if you're comparing the Hasidic Jews to the larger Jewish population in America, it's all it's not quite like comparing the Amish to the Christians, but it's kind of a little but bit it's, like it's, that. It's an attitude, though. It's like, are are you going to go out of your way to poison yourself and your children because somebody says you have to do this to be a good person? They don't have this like they they have because their communities maybe because their communities are closer knit and they don't need this outside approval from the television. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe the more alienated secular Jews do need this approval from the television about, about being a good person because we got your vaccination. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's something that it, I would be curious to find out. I, I mean, look, I look at the media, it's... look at the, the media Jews. Okay. Like, you know, we all know Jews are overrepresented in the media and during COVID. They a lot are, of those... gosh, you never would have guessed. <laughs> we all know that. Uh, we're not allowed to say it. But so during COVID, the media is coming at us with all this, you know, vax, 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 vax nonsense. And, you know, half the stories or, you know, a third of the stories have Jewish names who are telling you to get vaxxed and the other third, half or two thirds don't. My guess is that all these people are drinking their own Kool-Aid, all of them. I mean, you know, maybe. The mini ones? No, no way. No way. Like Michelle Goldstein of Newsweek magazine. You think that she's actually getting a saline shot? But I'm sure that if if she's if she's a journalist of any prominence with any major news organization, they no, they're not going to kill their golden gooses. Well, Peace. you know, I, I know people who think, you know, I've, I've got a lot of friends who think that they're the way things work in the world is that there are these large groups of people who are able to act really well and who go through life consciously. That these people are trained, man. That these people are not, they're, they're, and they're not trained to be journalists. They're trained to be news readers for the establishment. I mean, that they, they're not going the, that, that training costs money you think they're going to sink that their that cost into that investment and then kill it no that that would be silly these people don't waste money wait a minute i, I trained uh at the university of wisconsin journalism school in the 1970s and i did notice that my colleagues were both disproportionately jewish and that the jewish ones tended to be a little higher up the uh ladder at places like the daily cardinal at the university of Nat- wisconsin madison on the other hand i also noticed that there was there was this alternative paper this uh right-wing student paper called the badger herald that was like pretty goy and uh and and much less you know they didn't think they were as cool as the daily cardinal people did anyway i hung out with both of the people from both of those groups mostly the cardinal and again, I yes, you, there's a, a a culture of a certain uh, kind of you know, an in group superiority thing. Of course, that's associated and they, with that these culture. Journalists all you mainstream journalists all have their own their own mailing lists and stuff that they all discuss stuff on. You think that but somebody I, I, wouldn't have? But I, I get to know these people. You know, throughout my life, I've known all kinds of these sort of like upper middle class type, you know, educationally and to some extent economically uh, Jewish folks they're really not very different from upper middle class ordinary folks. And there's just no way that most of the people are going to be going through life, like consciously lying about like, Oh, you know, I, I got the box. I got the back. And in fact, they got a saline yeah, shot. But I mean, but not did happen. they, did they, they didn't ask for a saline shot. They got the saline shot if they were considered a valuable person. Oh, oh is, because somebody, somebody noticed they had a Jewish understand. name. I don't. This is. I don't know. No, if you're is a it... famous person and you, and you you don't go to the same doctors as like 
ordinary Joe Schmo. Like it doesn't, that's not how it works. Well, if you're famous, yeah. But again, the people, I'm like, I'm not talking about like really famous people. I'm just talking about, you know. Uh, you, were ta- you were talking about a journalist for Newsweek. That, that's, I mean, a bold-faced name. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, CNN. Yeah. I mean, these are people who yes, are not yeah. going to be going to like your ordinary, they're not going right. to walk into the CBS vaccine clinic and get whatever the crap is that they're giving people in the Bronx. So like, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah, no, I, I think there are people who are parts of uh, these kind of cultic groups that promote people's careers. And I th- I'm sure that B'nai B'rif, uh, you know, which is a big Freemasonic Jewish organization is one of the most extreme there, but there are all these other Freemasonic groups as well. And then I I was actually like they two on two different occasions, satanic cults tried to recruit me apparently no, and I, mean, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't once when i was in high school uh the kid who was my partner in biology class that i dissected frogs with of all people like this kid uh at one point while we're sitting in biology class he writes this thing shows me this thing he's written which is a description of his experience at a uh satanic temple service in milwaukee wisconsin this would have been in oh 1974 God. And it was quite disgusting, including like this, you know, lapping up of certain bodily fluids that I won't bother to mention on the altar of the naked woman, all this kind of crap. And uh, he was like trying to get me into this and get me into And I was quite repulsed. It was even worse than dissecting the frogs. And uh, so I kind of cut off um, any, you know, friendship with that guy. And and so that, you know, always kind of left me with a weird uh, feeling. And then something similar happened in San Francisco when I saw a poster in the Copper Penny restaurant in Masonic in Geary when I was I was living in a, uh, a vehicle <laughs> at that location. And I saw this this poster that said something like, come and, you know, learn about the secret of life and cosmic wisdom. And yada, yada, you know, give this number a call of somebody to show up at the Copper Penny coffee shop where you are. And I said, well, that's cool. That's kind of a cool poster. So I just you know, called on the payphone, which they used to have back then. And so these, this couple shows up like like 15 minutes later and they're telling me that if I join their cult, I will have, you know, it'll grease the skids for achieving whatever dreams I might possibly have. And, you know, so what do you want to do? What do you envision yourself as a successful this, that, or the other? And I'm like, I thought this was about like cosmic wisdom or something. What are you talking about? Wow. And so, but, and they were like really oily, like yeah, really bad vibes. That's- and then later I learned that the satanic temple of Anton LaVey was like right around the corner from that. Uh, Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that's a, a coincidence. I mean, like these people. And Levay was ethnically in, Jewish. Uh, they, or whatever they want to get their. What was he? I didn't know that. No, he was. Yeah, yeah. These, these people want to get their hooks in powerful people so they can compromise them. I mean, it's the, the same reason that, that Jeffrey Epstein was doing his thing for so long and getting away with it was that he had compromised so many people and so successfully that, uh, I mean, apparently he was a total douchebag too. So it's like they, they, they must've really just wanted that young pussy. And uh, it's like, how, how ignominious is that? Compromise your entire existence for something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-control I guess... people. <laughs> I agree completely. Well, that might be a good place to leave it because we did use up our uh, allotted span, but we yes. definitely need to recommend the article again because people, you know, this is this is really good Go writing. Helenofdestroy.substack.com. One of these days, my website is going to point there, but I can't figure out how to do that, and I paid for the privilege too. So it's. Well, I hope you figure it out. I hope you figure it out before oh. the uh, the ADL and their friends who control the internet figure out even more. Shut down my ways website again. Those. They had yeah. my website shut down for a year, man. Oh man. Okay. Well, we'll do our best to keep telling the truth until they finally manage to permanently shut us up, and hopefully that won't come anytime too soon. 
inshallah. Thank you so much. Helen Bynisky, a.k.a. Thank Helen you. of Destroy. I love talking with you. Let's do it again sometime. Likewise. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.